You're listening to Her Next Best Move with Darcy Corcoran. After a 22-year worldwide career adventure in the defense industry, Darcy made her next best move as a guide, helping other women seeking life-changing career transformations. She empowers Gen X women to step into work that aligns with their inherent talents and fulfills a sense of purpose, joy, and peace. Each week, you can expect conversations and interviews with amazing guests, interesting ideas, and tools to inspire you to find and have the life you love. Now, your host. Welcome back, everyone, to another inspiring episode of Her Next Best Move. Today's episode is sponsored by True Science Shampoo and Conditioner and Serum. It is a chemical-free, plant-based, paraben-free, sulfite-free for all hair types. It makes my gray hair shine. And if you would like to get $10 off your first purchase, you can send me an email at Darcy at hernextbestmove.com with the subject shampoo, and I will send you the link. Today, we have a special guest who is David Waldy. David is a life and business strategist, personal coach, speaker, and author, empowering entrepreneurs and leaders to get out of their own way, fix what's out of alignment, and never stop becoming the leader they would like to be. So after nearly taking his own life and experiencing a divine wake-up call, David left his corporate career to reinvent himself, rebuild his family, and redefine what was possible in his personal and professional life. He now empowers leaders through the philosophy of fierce empathy, which enables us to look in the mirror, face the facts, and confront the challenges that hold us back from success, fulfillment, and aligned abundance. As a husband, father, and Kansas farm boy at heart, David believes that lasting success is determined by integrity, responsibility, commitment, and accountability, and not only our work, but in every moment we have. He has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and leaders from over 40 different countries and shared stages with influencers like Tony Robbins and Russell Brunson. He is also an outdoorsman, coffee snob, personal growth junkie, and avid fiction reader. Welcome to the show, David. Darcy, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. I'm really excited for our conversation today. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you have quite the resume there. I'm so excited to dig into this. I think it would be really cool because you have an interesting background. I would love for you to share with the listeners a bit about your journey, where you came from, how you started, and how you got to here. And wherever you feel comfortable starting is just fine with me. But I'd, I'd love to hear more about your Kansas upbringing. I think that's kind of a cool data point. Yeah. And, so Kansas yeah. <laughs> Kansas was amazing. I, I jokingly tell people that I grew up down the street from a boy named Clark. Uh, it wasn't until I was older that I realized his last name was Kent. And <laughs> as a kid, I didn't realize that, you know, it's not normal for other kids to be able to fly. But <laughs> Superman was my best friend growing up. So <laughs> just down the <laughs> nice. road in Kansas. Nice. And it, it was it was an incredible experience. You know, like most of us, we there was challenges, there was pain, there was difficulty. There were I came I came from a fairly average middle class family. Dad was a veterinarian, mom was a teacher. And one of the things growing up in Kansas that was really, really shaped me and molded me in a lot of ways is that I grew up on farm country. So my grandparents had about 70, 80 acres. We lived on a corner of it. My cousins lived on a corner of it. My grandparents lived on a corner of it. And so growing up, family was huge. Hard work was huge. You always wanted to go out for, for burn day or to bale the hay or to help dad with the, with the animals, to help my grandpa with the horses. And so 
it was very much instilled in me from a young age, the concept of hard work, the concept of, of really farming seasons, unexpected things that come like tornadoes, <laughs> you know, it's just navigating all that kind of stuff as a kid, it, it really formed and fashioned me in a lot of ways. And fast forward to uh, when I was just before I turned 14, we we ended up moving to to Florida, which was culture shock, environment shock, like it was everything. <laughs> if anyone's ever been to Kansas and then been to Florida, there's like significant differences, right? So we we go from this place where I I can roam free. I'm basically Opie Taylor with a fishing pole on one shoulder and a BB gun on the other to go to where I can stick my hand out my window and touch my neighbor's house. And right. Florida is very different, right? As the saying and- goes, you're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> Yeah, if I had a nickel, Darcy, if I had a nickel. And so moving to Florida, it was it was a very challenging time. I didn't know until much later that it was actually an effort for my parents to try and save their marriage. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that had been going on. And then going through my high school years, it was uh, tried to be really, really good in school. I kind of adopted that philosophy that, that that most have as well. If I go to school, I get good grades, I'll get into college, I can get a good degree, I can get a good job, and I can pursue the American dream, right? Well, my senior year, I made a decision that was very challenging for my parents because I decided that I wasn't going to go to college. And it was very challenging for them because both of them had worked extraordinarily hard. My mom was the first in her family to go to college. My dad is the first in his family with an advanced degree as you know, his doctorate. And so for their kid who was was basically state straight A student, you know, athlete, athletic, you know, did all the stuff for me to just say, I'm not going to pursue this. It was kind of shocking for them. But what I had really felt pulled and called to was actually an internship program is how I ended up in here in South Carolina, where I am now. It was uh, all focused on leadership development, interpersonal communication, developing teams, discipleship. There was a heavy ministry component. And at the time, I thought maybe I was going to go into some form of, of, of ministry. And so I, I actually walked away from a full ride academic scholarship, which again, people were like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I I followed what I felt like was God's leading. I felt followed my heart and where I felt like I needed to be. And fast forward a few years, I did two years at that internship program. It was hugely impactful. And, and then I got to the end and I, I, I was working the entire time. I've always been in sales since early on. And I decided I was going to go back to college. So I lasted all of about a semester and I was like, this is not for me. I can't, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) And so I am proud to say I'm a college dropout. I don't recommend that for everyone. College is good, kids. (laughs) Just know why you're going and what you want to pursue. And for me, I didn't, I didn't see a traditional path. I I just, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't really know. And I know we're going to get into this a little bit later. The answers around the questions of purpose around passion, fulfillment, contentment. So I just threw myself into my career and being in sales, I worked my way up and ended up becoming a top 1% producer in a $400 million a year company. Realized I had a knack for sales, even though I didn't feel like a salesperson in any way, shape or form. I actually kind of third corporate a little bit because I wouldn't follow the scripts. I wouldn't do what they told me to do, but my numbers didn't lie. <laughs> and they they came to me like, hey, are you doing something unethical here? Why, like, why is there such a disproportionate amount in, you know, conversions here? And it was through that process I was working with a mentor of mine. And she uh, she lovingly confronted me. She's like, David, I don't think you see what I see and what everyone else sees. I'm like, what are you talking about? And my top five strengths, Darcy, and I've taken Clifton Strengths Finders three times over the last 15 years, done the Enneagram and all the personality tests. My number, my, my top five are I have empathy is number one, inclusivity, connectedness, 
adaptability, and then input. And input is, I like to input stuff into me, like information. I obsessively like input information. And she said, you have a way with sales and with people that people just feel seen. They feel heard. They feel understood. And this is something that that is directly affecting your sales numbers. And you don't even realize it. Because again, Darcy, I, I wasn't... I, I have the, the, that dirty taste in my mouth that everyone else has about the used car salesman. Or remember when we would like go to the mall when we were mm-hmm. younger with mom, you're walking through that department area with the perfumes and everything. And she's like, tuck and roll, kid. We got to get through here because every <laughs> one of them are trying to come out and sell you something. And so I had a, a, a poor you know, model of what I thought you know sales could look like. And t- over time, I started to realize that for me, my philosophy was sales is nothing more than serving. And it simply comes down to a matter of the heart is that if you can truly see her and understand the problems and frustrations, pains and difficulties that a prospective client or customer is dealing with, and you can provide solutions to those problems, you can create an environment where they're happy to give you money and you're happy to fulfill on whatever it is it was purchased. And so I built that career in sales only to be transitioned into a senior level management position that I didn't want. And over the course of, of about a year, my wife and I, we, we just had our world kind of upended. I had seen some stuff going on behind the scenes and at the ownership level that I was not okay with. I felt like was unethical. I felt like was immoral. I was just not okay with. And so I took it to the ownership and it backfired bad, really, really bad. So the course of a year, I had a $40,000 pay cut. I was transitioned into a role that I didn't want at all. I was working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Sometimes my health was in the tank. I was about 60 pounds heavier than I am right now dealing with suicidal ideation, constant anxiety, panic attacks, just trying desperately to just to succeed in my career and to be a good person at the same time. And what ended up happening is following that my wife and I went through a miscarriage and I came to just like, I was done. I was exhausted. I was beat up. I felt betrayed. I had that moment that many of us have probably seen in, in, in movies where, you know, in the big corporate environment where they have like the conference room with the giant, giant table and the big dogs are on one side and the little guys on the other side and kind of just sitting there just like you know, messing with their hands, nervous, like what's going to happen? That happened to me. And I was, uh, I was shouted at. I was cursed at. I was told that the only reason that I was still at the company was because I was too much of a financial asset to lose and they didn't have someone to replace me. So my time was short. And the only reason that they knew they had me was because at the time I had quote unquote achieved everything I set out to achieve. I was living from the outside, looking in the quote unquote American dream, glass corner office, company car, six figure salary, have the house, have the car, have the wife, have the kid. I had made it from what I had been told was making it. And I knew something was wrong. Something was significantly wrong. And it put me into a really, really, really dark headspace. This was early 2018, pre-COVID for all (laughs) early 2018. And all of this stuff was happening and I was going through identity crisis. I was, you know, this this thing around what am I here for? What am I supposed to do? I, I, I had done well in sales. I was leading a team, generating millions of dollars a year, doing really, really well. But I was miserable. I was just everything. And I had a that mentor that I mentioned. I think I might have mentioned is, is she. She had lunch with me one day. We're sitting in this little Mediterranean cafe, and 
eating shawarma and a bunch of food. I can't pronounce it was delicious, but it was one of those little <laughs> cafes that, you know, the, the big glass that yeah. overlooks like a, a main street in a downtown area. And you can just mm-hmm. sit there. It's like a brunch type feel. And I was just struggling. I was, I, I, I was really frustrated. I was really overwhelmed and I felt trapped because at the time I was like, I can't, I can't leave this job. I have a brand new baby who is 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 not even a year old. I have my wife. I have bills to pay. How am I supposed to replace a six-figure salary and escape this situation? I can't. And mind you, they had told me the only reason I still was there was because of how much money I was making them. That was it. It was literally the words that came out of their mouth is that I was too much of a financial asset to lose at that time. And it hurt, Darcy. It hurt so, so deeply because I felt stuck. I couldn't quit because I didn't feel like I could replace my income at the time. And I had to show up every single day and put on the smile and perform and do my thing. And so I'm sitting at this lunch with her name, Sarah Cabra, and just an incredible human being. She had approached me and said, David, I'm building out this. This was actually for a, a Fortune 100 company. She was building out a high level executive coaching program for them. And she said, this program is going to be about $300,000. And I'm like, I've never even seen that kind of money. That's ridiculous. And, <laughs> and she said, she said, I have to have five case studies and I see something in you. And I would love to give it to you for free if you're willing to commit to the process. I will take wow. you through it. I will work, we'll work through things together. And I want honest feedback because what I need are these case studies to take it to the board to get approval to move forward with wow. um, for, for our team. And it was really, really divine in my opinion. It was a godsend. She unfortunately had been a great friend and and she's one of those individuals like overseeing a hundred thousand plus employees, just incredible human being. And at the same time, she had a very similar heart, loves people, you know, loves God, loves serving, loves equipping. And so I, I really resonated with her and she looked at me while we're eating that, that lunch. And I told her, I said, Sarah, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know. And I love the name of the podcast here, Darcy. It was very much like, I don't know my next move. I don't know what to do. I feel like I hate what I see in the mirror. I hate the man that I am. I'm not being the father I want to be. I'm not being the husband I want to be. I'm definitely not being the team member employee that I want to be. I feel stuck. I feel scared. I feel hopeless. I feel like, you know, and at the time too, Darcy, with that $40,000 pay cut, we started living on credit cards. So I'm racking up debt all the way along, just trying to figure out what am I supposed to do? And so it was this, this year from hell of I didn't know what was up and what was down, who to trust, who not to trust. And so she had looked at me and she said, David, let me ask you one question. She said, who do you want to become? Now that doesn't sound like, you know, an extraordinarily, you know, out of left field question. I mean, I'm sure we've heard it before, but it it, it struck a chord in that moment because I I feel like I had been conditioned most of my life to, to the question, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with your life? Mm. What do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you? And so when she said, who do you want to become? I sat there and I just, I was in shock. I was like, I, I didn't even have an answer. I had never, I had never seriously even considered it. And what came up in that moment, I looked at her and I said, I'm not allowed to define that. And she said, why not? And I said, because that's God's job. And she said, interesting. And as we sat there, she, she said, I want to do an exercise with you. She said, if you can just dream with me for a second, just imagine. We like that word, visualize. Mm-hmm. 
She said, if you could look past, present, or future at someone in the world that has existed, that you look at their life and you say, I have so much admiration for them. I want to be like them in some way, shape, or form. I want to be like that person. Who would it be? And kind of tongue in cheek, I I said, well, Jesus. (laughs) And she's like, no, wrong answer. You can't say Jesus. I was like, okay, fine. And I sat and I thought for a minute and I said, honestly, you know, what I see this man do, I don't agree with all of it, but you know, I, I, I want to be like this man in some capacity. And I said, Tony Robbins. Mm. And I said, it was kind of funny again, kind of tongue in cheek. I was like, I just want a few less F words. I definitely don't want to travel as much. (laughs) So if if anybody's ever been to a Tony event, you know that like Tony in the environment is different than Tony in marketing and in his books and stuff. But still the fact that you have thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people that have talked about and for, for decades, the impact that that man has had on their life. I felt like there was something there. It was like, I want to be able to to empower people and inspire them and encourage them and build them up and help them win in business and help them win at home and help them win. And like, I, that's, that's what I want to do. And she said, why don't you have permission to define who you want to become? And again, I said, because I feel like, you know, that is God's job. And she said, how's that working out for you? And I, I was kind of taken aback, but that's what good coaches do, right? They ask you the uncomfortable questions. <laughs> and so she, uh, she, she started looking at, she said, in the results, right? She said, you've been telling me, and she'd known me for years at the time. She's, and, and I see this a lot. You've been telling me, just like with everyone else, it's like, I need to find my purpose. I need to find my calling. I need to find why I'm here. I need to discover it. I need to, it's out there. And I just got to do enough stuff and try enough things. And if I do this and do that and do this and do that, eventually I will, I will find it, right? Like my, my mission in life is to discover my purpose, to find it, to find that calling. And that's something that I had believed that, that God just conveniently hid wherever for all of us to find. And and it was really interesting because I had grown very resentful of, you know, all my friends growing up and the people around me, because it seemed like everyone and their mother knew what they wanted to do with their life. You know, you graduate from, from, from high school or college, and then everybody's going after their different things. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to go be an attorney. I'm going to go, you know, join the armed forces. I'm going to work in, you know, a nonprofit sector, whatever. Right. And I'm like, I just love people. I don't know what to do. I just want to help people. I apparently I'm good at sales. I don't know what, what in the world. And so fast forward through that process, it, it, it was an identity crisis for me in that moment. And I'll never forget the day it was April. 18th. It was a Sunday evening. And interestingly enough, and, and I hope I'm not giving too much detail. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is important. No, for, it's for good. Context. It's good. Uh, it was April the 18th, 2018. It was a Sunday evening. And for those that don't know, the most common times that people take their own life are Sunday evenings and Monday mornings. And the reason being is because they're facing the reality of another week. And I was done, Darcy. I was done. I couldn't take it. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know who I wanted to become. I didn't feel like I was succeeding in any area. We're falling behind on bills. I'm failing in my career. My, my, the owners want me out of this business. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't just want to go work at, you know, I'll do what I have to do is what it felt like. But I was like, there's got to be something more. Why does this American dream feel like a complete and total nightmare? I have everything that everyone said you're supposed to get to win. And it's all hollow. It doesn't mean anything. It's useless. I don't care. I don't. All I want is to, f- to feel like I'm contributing, that I'm useful, 
that I'm a part of something bigger than myself, that I'm truly helping people to move forward in their lives. And I was, I was standing there and if we need to edit this out, we can, but I, I grabbed my sidearm for my nightstand and I walked into the bathroom and I had my shirt off and I looked at myself in the mirror and I was just completely disgusted, just disgusted with not only my body, but just the being that I saw looking back at me. And what started happening was all of this stacking of the scenarios and where I'd failed and where I was worthless, how like my wife deserved better and my daughter deserved better. And like, you know, I, they'd be better off with the life insurance money and all, all the stuff. Right. And as I'm standing there, just like spiraling fast, I hear three words. I feel them in my bones. I hear, I love you. And I knew in that moment that. What I believe is that it was God, and it it caused me to pause long enough to to set my sidearm down on the bathroom counter and just to like I, I was just bent over. I remember, and then I, I my eyes started to come up to look back in my eyes. And the moment that I saw in my eyes, I felt like I heard a few more things, and it was a series of of things that I really have adopted into everything that I am today. And I felt like what what God said to me in that moment was you get to decide, you get to commit, and you get to become. I am with you, and I am for you, but you have to put in the work required. I can't do it for you. And Darcy, in that moment, I realized that I had been living in this perpetual state of chasing this purpose, this calling, this thing that was supposed to bring me fulfillment and success and joy and peace and contentment and what we, we desperately crave as human beings. And what I had been doing was living in this life of like, well, if God really cares about me, he'll show me, he'll tell me, he'll give me a freaking hint what I'm supposed to do. And so like years of desperate prayer and searching and reading books and asking and, and like do all of the things. And then looking at myself and being like, well, God must want me this way. He must want me, you know, morbidly obese. He must want me struggling this way. Maybe like this is, and so my whole perspective of God as a a father figure, it just became so disjointed. But when he said that, I felt something so deep because I realized I had number one, I had been blaming God for everything, but I had also been assigning responsibility to him to fix and change things in my life that are not his job. They're my job. And following that, I started to, I started to implement some things that in my life to change. I started focusing on my health. I started reading books to help me understand more about mindset. I started working on my relationship. I started really diving into, okay, how can I take these gifts and who I am? Is there a career out there? Is there something I can build? Is there something I can create? Is there something I can just do on my own and figure it out and find a way to help other people? And it echoed one of the things that my mentor had said. She said, David, with your gifts, you know that you could literally just quit your job and go out and become a coach and consultant and help people in their businesses. Yeah, you could help them with sales and marketing and they'd crush it, but you have more than that. You can help them in their marriage. You can help them. And I felt like a hypocrite, Darcy. It's like, I can't help people with this crap. <laughs> I feel like I, I'm a, it would talk about imposter syndrome, looking at my life. I was like, no one, no one should follow me. <laughs> no one <laughs> right, at all. But then I started to realize that, that if I was willing to put in the work required, if I was willing to take ownership, knowing that God was with me and for me, that all of the universe was conspiring for me, 
If I would take that ownership, stop blaming, stop living as a victim, stop expecting for you know, other people or the government or God to fix what was broken and to really look in the mirror and to confront the things that needed to die in me, the things that needed to change in me, the things that needed to come alive in me, that shift changed the trajectory of my entire life. And over the course of the next roughly year, I started learning how to build my own business. I started you know, taking courses online, signing up for programs and things like that. And towards the end of the year, just before my, our second child was born, little bear, two weeks before he was born, I turned in my notice and I said, I'm done. And that led to fast forward and condense the rest to where we are today. <laughs> wow. What a phenomenal story and testimony you have to just everything that you went through. And it's interesting because you're, it was like, you didn't just have like one big thing you were dealing with. You had like just all the trauma and all of the stuff that most people take one thing at a time and think, oh, I'm out. I can't handle this. I mean, you really had a stack of things that were, it was like pushing a rock uphill, you know, career-wise. And then, you know, the miscarriage of, of your second child. I mean, that alone will put somebody in a, in a state of deep emotional trauma that would need time to heal, you know, so, but you, everything was just stacking and I'm, I think it's remarkable. I love to hear people's story and how they get to where they are. And it was the moment of total breakdown that you had a breakthrough. And I love that. I love that you shared that with us. I'm definitely not going to edit that out (laughs) because I think that that is such a, I think there's people that have been there or they're close to it and they need to hear about that. And they need to hear about the grace that came through your life in that moment and the breakthrough that you had, because that's such a powerful opportunity to believe in something bigger than yourself. And I love that. So I guess going against the grain of what people want you to do versus doing what you feel led to do is kind of a theme in in your life. And so were there people that may have had some questions for you about leaving this corporate job, which seemed pretty cushy, to becoming a uh-huh. executive coach and doing all the mentorship you're doing today and speaking? I mean, clearly people were like, what is he doing now? Like, this is insane. You're going to leave this corporate job. Maybe they didn't realize all the stuff you were going through, but what was that process like for you? You know, it's really interesting just as you're talking, again, I'm feeling a lot of emotion rise up because there were people, yeah, granted that were like, what are you doing? You know, you're a fool. You are, there was a lot of people that attacked. I felt like my integrity as a, as a provider, like as a husband, as a, as a father. And be like, how could you, how could you put your spouse, your wife and your your kids at risk. This is extraordinarily selfish, which is a tough pill to swallow, especially from people you respect. Yeah. But there were also people at the same time coming to me in secret. And this one getting emotional because I, I haven't thought about this in a long time. It's a great question, Darcy. And I'll never forget the look in their faces. And they're like, if anybody can do it, you can do it. We believe in you. Now, these are people that many of them had just resigned and settled in life. Honestly, they just settled. Yeah, And I had no judgment towards them at all or anything like that, but they, they had almost resigned themselves to being where they were in life. And I felt in that moment, I felt a level of responsibility because I felt like if I can do this, if I can change, 
if I can grow, if I can expand, if I can pursue my dreams, if I can truly help other people, if I can create win-win scenarios with clients, if I can create an environment where people feel seen, heard, and understood, but they also know I care about them and I will I will call them up to a higher standard by asking the uncomfortable questions because I want to help them become who they said that they would be, who they want to be. I felt a responsibility, Darcy, because I thought if I can do this, then I can turn around and say, just follow this path that I could help them to change their own life. That it wasn't like a it wasn't like an ego-driven come, you know, let me lead you out of here. It was just like, I've got to prove this to myself first, right? But if I can prove it to myself, then you'll have no more excuses. That I can come alongside you and I can say, look, look, I'll I'll go with you. I've I've walked this road before, I've gotten out of the pit before. I can come alongside you. Let's take so much time an intentional focus on who you want to become and what you want to do with your life. Because when you can first answer the question, who do you want to become? What you need to do gets crystal clear. And that's why a lot of people struggle. They're asking the question, what do I need to do to fix my health? What do I need to do to fix my marriage? What do I need to do to fix my you know, my job or my, my career? What do I need to do to fix my financial situation? It's not that that's a bad question. I've just discovered over the past you know, three, four, five years It's just not the most useful question because the most useful question is when you can first define, give yourself permission to find who you want to become, Mm. then again, what you need to do gets crystal clear because every single decision, every action, every thought, every belief, if it's not in alignment with that, what you see, it's, it's an easy, no, it's a hard, no, it's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I felt that responsibility of saying, maybe my life can be an inspiration to people that have settled. Maybe my life can be proof that you don't have to live this way, that it doesn't, you don't have to operate this way, that you can forge your own path. And I don't mean to imply like I did it by myself. I did mm-hmm. not. I had coaches and mentors and support and all along the way, I still do to this day. I, I, that's why I do what I do is I believe in it for myself. I know how much I need it. But it was interesting because I had it from both sides, Darcy. I had people that were like, you are a selfish fool. And other people were like, if anybody can do it, you can do it just those whispers. I believe Mm -hmm. in you. I believe in you. Like they didn't even want people to publicly know, but they would let me know. They're like, they would send me text messages or shoot me an email and say, I see what you're doing. I believe in you. And I knew, I knew that I knew that these people at some point in time, they had quote unquote given up. And so I felt the responsibility. I was like, if I can do this, then I can turn around and I can come bring them with me. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important too, that like we do give a lot of we take the things to heart, the people that are close to us and that we respect. And when they disagree with the path we're on, it's really hard to, you know, it's hard to, to remain clear that this is where I need to go. So that's, that takes some spine stealing. It's faith. Like that's yeah. the thing. It's, it's all faith because everything's going to tell you it doesn't make sense. Everyone, you know, you're going to look at the facts and the data and you're going to be like, I have no proof here that this is going to work. And so you're already dealing with, you know, imposter syndrome and fear and like, you know, self-esteem or confidence and all those types of things. So then to have that, that you're dealing with internally, to have it almost confirmed by the people outside, it's, it's, it takes seeing something bigger than your current situation. Like you said, is that when you can get your eyes beyond where you are and you can see and you believe and you have faith and you those 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 words and that you read at the beginning you operate with integrity you operate with responsibility you operate as a person of commitment and you stay accountable not just to yourself but to other people who hold you to a higher standard it's terrifying 
But I can say now, in retrospect, it is worth every single tear, every dollar, every late night, every single sacrifice. I don't wish it upon anyone. And that's part of why I try and do what I do is to help people avoid (laughs) those involuntary wake-up calls. But it's possible. And I would do it a thousand times over. Yeah. So do you... how? I guess we've talked about purpose. We've kind of talked around it a little bit, but what, how do you define purpose for in general or for yourself? I guess would be the first question. And then do you believe you're living that, walking that, embodying that today? It's a great question. It's one of my favorite questions. <laughs> <laughs> so purpose, I think many of us were conditioned to believe and very similar to me that purpose is something you find, right? Purpose is something that you discover. And what I've realized, if you, if you boil purpose down to simplicity, to its core, like if, we, if we're just thinking about the word purpose, right? Well, the purpose behind using the ice maker is to get ice. The purpose of sweeping the floor is to get a clean floor. The purpose of taking a shower is to clean yourself. The purpose of eating is to fill yourself, give yourself nutrition. And so I wrestled with this concept for a while. I was like, why in just about every other context, when we use the word purpose, it implies an action to be taken to get a result. In every other context, purpose is an action that must be taken to get a specific result. If I want a clean car, then I have to go to the car wash. The purpose of me going to the car wash is to get a clean car, right? Mm -hmm. I think everyone can follow that. That that method, like just that thinking pattern. And so what I was doing, I was wrestling with it. So like, but why then is it like everywhere else when we talk about purpose, or if you want to call it passion, your calling, or your, you know, why are you here and all this other type of stuff? I realized that I had been trapped my entire life chasing after this thing that I didn't realize every single one of us have absolute and total control over. Because it's an action that must be taken to get to a desired result. And the reason that people don't operate in their purpose, the reason that people don't find their purpose, discover their purpose, walk in their purpose, is because they haven't defined a name. They haven't said, this is what I want to accomplish. This is what I want to do. This is who I want to become. Because when you do that, then every single choice, every action, every thought, every belief, everything you do comes into alignment with that because the purpose is to get there, is to become that, to operate from that state as a father, as a mother, as a husband, as a father, as a leader, as an employee, as a team member, as a speaker, as an author, as whatever you want to be, as the best artist, musician, author on the planet, whatever it is, most people, I feel like, and I truly believe this, Darcy, that most people don't ever discover or find their purpose because they're just looking at it the wrong way because they're asking the wrong questions. And it's not their fault. That's the thing is, I don't think it's any of our fault. It's just for some reason, we've been conditioned to believe that I'm going to just stumble on it at some point in time. Mm. But when, again, when we look at purpose is like, okay, if that's who I want to become, that's what, that's what I visualize. That's what I see. I'm going to dream so freaking big. I'm going to dream. If that's what I want to create in my life, big word, buzzword nowadays is manifest, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So manifest that in your life Mm -hmm. because it's true. You want to create those results in your life. You have to write the vision and make it plain. You have to see it in high definition. You have to feel what it would feel like to be in that role because when you do, 
every single day, now you're holding yourself accountable to somebody else. You're holding yourself accountable to the future version of you, the version of you that you want to be. And so every thought that you have is like, okay, I need to take this thought captive. Is that is this a thought that future me would think? No, no, it's not. <laughs> is this an action that future me would be taking? Is this how future me would be snoozing, not going to the gym, not writing my book, not pursuing the dream, not doing whatever it is? No, that's not who I want to be. And so then every single thing that you start to do, you start to find, quote unquote, find purpose in every decision, in every action, in every moment, in every conversation, in this right now on a podcast, as you're listening and driving, when you're eating food, when you're with your kids, when you're with your spouse, when you're on the stage, when you're reading a book, when you're walking in nature, you start to actually create purpose in everything. Because it's simply the actions that have to be taken in order for you to get a specific result. The purpose of this is because this is who I'm becoming. And so to answer your question, I know that's a very long-winded answer. I don't believe that purpose is something that you find. I think it's something that you create. And the only way that we can create is by defining who we want to become. And so for me, asking, am I walking in my purpose 100% Darcy every single day? Am I perfect? No. Just ask my <laughs> wife. <laughs> Not at all. Do yeah. I make mistakes? Do mm -hmm. I, you know, self-sabotage at times? Do I get in my own way? Yes. But that's why I have accountability. That's why I have support around me. That's why I have people to remind me of who I said that I would be because I can't do it alone. I don't think we were meant to do it alone, but it doesn't mean either that I'm settled. I know who I'm becoming. I'm walking in purpose every single day and I'm fully satisfied with the man that I am. I'm to a place now in my life where I don't feel anymore like I have anything to prove. I don't feel like I have anything to hide. You can love me. You can hate me. It's cool. I love you no matter what, whatever. It's cool. <laughs> but simultaneously and living in the tension of, of this, of being a present father, being a faithful husband, being a leader, being an entrepreneur, serving people, empowering people, doing what I love to do, I have to hold in tension this, okay, what needs to die in me to become who I said I would be? Mm. And what needs to come alive in me that I have been pushing down and killing because of insecurity, because of fear, because of doubt, because of baggage, because of blame, because of victim mindset, because of all these justifications and excuses. And that changed my perspective on purpose forever. Does it mean I'm happy all the time? No, I have bad days. I've learned that there are three things. Well, there's five things that are guaranteed. You have pain, guaranteed. No matter what, you're going to have pain. You cannot control whether your loved ones get sick, people die, things happen. You can't yeah. control it. There's going to be pain. I think there's a lot of people that are trying to create lives where they just completely avoid pain. And I disagree with it. I think we need to learn how to thrive in and through pain and have that yes. perspective. Uncertainty, guaranteed. I mean, unless you know something, I don't know, Darcy, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, future, you know, we know exactly what's going to mm -hmm. happen, right? Stock market is a great example. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, a lot of uncertainty, right? And work. And I'm not just talking about work for money is work on our, our, our mind our spirit, our body, our soul, our being, our, our relationships, our health, our, all of it, that there has to be work. And then the final two, which we all know are death and taxes, right? So those things, those five things, I have found that no matter what we do, we're going to experience those things. And so it's not about creating this, this perfect, you know, the white picket fence, keep up with the Joneses, like this is what my life is. No, I, I deal with stuff too. But there's a difference in being able to, to navigate those things from a place of peace, from a place of trust, from a place of faith, from a place that you have support because you've intentionally created relationships 
you're accountable to people, you're disciplined in the areas where you don't, you do the things you don't feel like doing for long enough until they become a habit, until they become yeah. second nature, right? And so for me, all this boils down to for purpose. I, I have found that I kind of have a weird, a weird way of seeing it, but the results don't lie. And the peace that I feel, the joy that I feel, the contentment that I feel. I mean, people can argue with me, but it's working out for me so far. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. I really like, you know, the parts that you were talking about, about responsibility, having faith in something else, but also having resp- the, your your share of the responsibility for what, you know, what your outcome is going to be and who you're going to become. And I like the conversation about who do you want to become? Because when you figure out who you become, you get you get very clear on what you need to do to to take that path. What's interesting about who we need to become, you know, I've studied Joe Dispenza. And he has a you know a whole body of work around around this similar idea, and also the work I've I've done in my own practice with personas and how these personas come up in our to you know, that we take on, you know, these personas that are further away from the authenticity of who we are. And I think if personas can work against you, they can work for you, right? So you can create those personas and lean into them for the things that you really want and use, use until it becomes so much ingrained in who you are as a person well, that you have, share. yeah, you, you just wake up as the person that you wanted to become, right? Yeah. If I could add a thought to that, because I know a lot of people struggle with this. You mentioned authenticity, which I love is that there's a lot of people that are like, I don't know how to create this. You know, there's a great book by Todd Herman called alter ego effect. And that's, it kind of echoes this, you know, the persona ideology of, yeah, you have to create something that's different than what you are. It's a different form of you. It's this persona. And where people miss it is they're like, yeah, but that's fake. That's not the real me. I'm not that confident. I'm not that whatever. I'm not, I'm not an author. I'm not a runner. I'm not a this. I'm not a that, right? And so what happens is they feel like that's inauthentic. And here is my rebuttal to anyone that says that. Because like, I, no, that's fake, right? If I operate from that persona and I carry myself that way and I think those thoughts, you know, that's, I'm being fake. And my rebuttal to them is this, what if, what if that's actually the real you and the one you've been occupying, the one you've been living, the state you've been in, that's got all this baggage and trauma and pain and limiting beliefs and self-doubt and self-criticism and anger and resentment and all of the stuff. What if that's actually the fake version? And the reason that this terrifies you is because it's, you know, it's who you've been called to be, who you've been invited to be. It's not an expectation to live up to. It's not something you can fail. You're free to live your life however you want. Go have fun if you want to do that. But if you want to create, manifest specific results in your life and to create an extraordinary life, you have to do extraordinary, extraordinary things, which means that you have to submit yourself to the process of becoming something different than what you are. And in my opinion, that is actually more authentic, more real, more courageous, more vulnerable, more powerful than us just throwing up the card that says, yeah, but that that doesn't feel like me. Of course, it doesn't feel like you because it's not <laughs> right. the version of you, the persona that we have been operating in, the one that wears all the masks, the one that is trying to people please, the one that's worried about being misunderstood, the one that has codependent relationships, the one who is is playing small. What if 
Just consider it, right? Is what I love to say. Just consider it. What if that's actually the fake version and that's the real you? Yeah. And they're like, I have never thought about it that way. But that was the key for me, Darcy, is that I realized that if I can visualize this man that I want to become and I can see it, it means it's possible. Period. End of story. Especially if I've adopted some of those qualities using personas by looking at people that I respect and admire, say, if they, if they are that way, then that means I have access to it too. I want to learn. How do they do that? How do yeah. they become that? What do they believe? What do they think? What were their actions? What do they focus on? What books are they reading? What conferences do they go to? Right. Right. You know, and you, you, you start to adopt all these different aspects and attributes. You can adopt them from movies, from books, from, you know, fiction characters, real life people, people from past, you know, it, it, when you start to look at who you want to become, my question to people is like, what if that is actually who you were created to be the most authentic yeah. version of yourself? Yeah. Because it's interesting because if you think about who you were up until this point and your very first moments of modeling behavior, you modeled the people around you. So your parents, yeah, your parents, your grandparents. And so, you know, it's, it's what you do to grow. It's part of the growth process is modeling the habits and behaviors of your, the people who raise you. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, you're, you, you have to think about how many things that beliefs, behaviors, thoughts, that are are they are they really yours to begin with or did you inherit them yeah. from somebody else anyway so yeah the conversation around persona and authenticity is very interesting for me and and i i'm often myself finding these things like oh where did that belief come from? I, right? I whoa, <laughs> wait a minute here. Like, where's that? And then I, when I, when I peel that onion back, I realize, wow, that's some, that's some deep family belief systems that I'm carrying around that I am not even, wasn't even aware of. Yeah. Right. Until we become curious and willing to consider these other, other options and other strategies, then, you know, we may just be walking around unaware. Yeah. I mean, I love that you use the word curious because that's what it comes down to is that I know you feel the same way as me. I'm not, I'm not living my life to cause people to feel in any way, shape or form shame or guilt or that they're making the wrong choices or whatever. That's not my, it's not my business. But what I do encourage people to consider is like, you know, if you are dissatisfied, if you're feeling like you don't have purpose, if you're feeling confused and you're feeling stuck, Please don't make the same mistake that I did and have to go through the entire process of waiting for what I call an Mm. involuntary wake-up call. Because the research has proven we can do this work on ourselves apart from a tragedy. Mm. But the reason that most people don't do it is because it takes consistency. It is curiosity-based. You have to be willing to ask yourself those tough questions. And people are like, well, why would I ask those tough questions? And I say, well, you you might not need to, but are you are you satisfied with the results in your life? Because if you're not, then I would encourage you to consider getting really curious yeah. <laughs> about what's going on up here. And and as you know, Darcy, is that particularly that programming when we've been conditioned. I love studying neuroscience and how new neural pathways are created. The most recent research that has come out didn't override some of the previous research, but previously it was believed that 21 days to 90 days of consistently doing something will create a new neural pathway in the brain to create a new habit, right? But they've recently discovered that that is true. So for anyone that's listening, if you want to change your life in any way, it it literally rewire your brain 
You can do it between 21 and 90 days. It's different for every person, but it's somewhere between three weeks and three months. They've proven this scientifically now to literally create and override those existing habits. However, and this is the problem we have in society today, if you focus on changing any area of your life and creating different results, and you stay focused and you stay dedicated, say it's, it'll take health for an example. Say you really want to take back your health. You can do it for 21 to 90 days with consistency. You'll adopt part of that new identity. You're not, you're no longer someone who's got to go for a run. You're now a runner who runs your identity shifts. That's the biggest thing. But if we don't couple it with self-care and rest, Mm. it can take up to 18 months. Wow. If we do not couple the hard work that we're doing on ourselves, looking at our relationships, looking at our health, looking at our finances, our business, our career, these dreams and things like that, and we're putting in the work required and we're staying consistent and we're doing it, you're going to have to do a lot of stuff that you don't feel like doing. We all do. Like when I first started going to the gym, I did not freaking feel like going. There's some morning still. I don't feel like, <laughs> but <laughs> when, when you do, you, you start to take yeah. on a new identity and that's literally an encoding. It's a new neural pathway in the brain. I know I'm preaching in the choir here, Darcy, but this is for everyone. No, no, it's good. <laughs> it's all um, good. We can hear it over and over again and it's still, we hear it a different way. So it's all good, you know, but it changes things significantly when we are willing to commit to the process and put in the work required. But if we don't take care of ourselves and if we don't rest, we are literally pausing that timeline of the shifts we want to experience, the results we want to create up to a year and a half out. That's a long time. Yeah, I'd, that's, I'd rather get yeah. three weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing because most people think the opposite is true, that work harder and stay like overworking workaholics mm-hmm. mentality, you know, and this is a big, my community of Gen X women, you know, I call it the achievement machine <laughs> generation, which is, you know, just, you got to keep your head down, keep working, you know, you got to hustle the hustle culture, like keep going, don't, you know, get up early, don't go to bed till late, do it, do all the things. Right. But sometimes that, that, as you said, it's like, you're almost working against yourself in a way, if you're trying to get a faster result or a more impactful result. It is. And it's something that, you know, generationally, I think, you know, just so you talk about Gen X, it's part of that programming that got passed down to your generation. I'm millennial generation. There are things that got passed down. Right. And so if we look at across the board, particularly in the US, that your parents' generation and the scarcity and fear and difficulty that define much of their life, it, it it's easy to understand how that gets translated to kids. Yeah. And so you you become hardwired like for this conditioning, especially around achievement, as like you go, you do, you get as much as you can, you go win, 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 win. Like you gotta, you gotta grind it. You, if you're gonna, if you're gonna survive, you gotta go, 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 go. And then there started to be that transitional shift, I think, for a lot of Gen Xers, but that got even passed on to a lot of millennials, right? In some some regard. But some of them, and we see this across the board with a lot of millennials, is that many of them went the opposite end of the spectrum. And now we got a bunch of <laughs> we don't have time for that conversation, but then we see the next generation, the next generation. And so I think it's really, if we want to stop this patterning, this generational transfer, and we want to create something different, a legacy for future generations, if we want to, 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 to change that, we have to get curious. We have to be willing to look internally. We have to be willing to confront ourselves. We have to be willing to surround ourselves with people and say, this is who I want to be. This is who I want to become. Do not let me fall below this standard. I give you permission to call me up to this standard anytime you see me 
not measuring up as a father, as a mother, as a husband, as a wife, as a whatever. I don't think we live in a society where many people are giving other people permission to hold them accountable. And so they're trying to do this all on their own. And when you do it on your own, you'll lie to yourself. You'll beat yourself up. You'll quit. You, You know, integrity, I think is a beautiful thing. Most people are really good at keeping their word to themselves. But my question is like, consider this, honestly, how good are you at keeping your word to yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's such, I mean, all this stuff, we could probably do like two more, three more episodes on all this. <laughs> and I can't, like, I mean, it's just so good. It's so good. I I cannot even believe that we've gone already an hour. Has it been an hour? Oh yeah, my <laughs> I know, I know. I had so much fun with you. It's how you know that you're in your purpose and you're in your passion when time is, when you're timeless. Yeah. And I know yeah. that I'm really loving the conversation with you because I told in, in my purpose as well, because I'm feeling timeless. So I really appreciate you coming. Is there any last things you'd like to share with the listeners? And then of course you are also, we can talk about your free course that you offer as well after, but is there any last nuggets of information you want to share? For sure. I would say that the the biggest problem with most people is they, you know, we all do this is I'm not just trying to call anybody out is that we hear useful information. It stirs something inside of us and then we sit on it. Like, oh, yeah, you know, we don't actually take action. And so for anyone that's listening to this podcast right now, my biggest encouragement to you, if there's anything that that Darcy has shared that I've shared that's re- really like truly honestly resonated with you, like, okay, I'm playing too small. There are things that I need to pursue. There's things I need to change. There's things I need to adjust. Don't do it for anyone else but yourself. But understand that that integrity piece is... Are you who you said you would be? And if not, don't beat yourself up. Don't pull that whole guilt trip, shaming, condemnation card. It's useless. Don't do that to yourself. Give yourself some grace. Know that you're human. Know that you're getting curious and start asking the tough questions. And Darcy, if you're okay with that, I wanted to mention too, if if anyone's listening, go get Darcy's resource on visualization. Get that the actual practice of, of learning how to use visualization whether through meditation or other exercises, because this is something that I believe has transformed both of our lives is learning how to tap into that. And if you're looking for a resource, I mean, you guys listen to her podcast, Darcy knows what she, you wouldn't be here if you didn't trust her, (laughs) go get that and start putting in the work. And if you want a supplemental resource, something I I don't actually have a free course, Darcy, but I do have, I I have, it's actually an ebook workbook. Oh, okay. It's called the fierce empathy framework is about a 40 something page ebook that use as supplemental to what you're going through in, in Darcy's with, with everything to do with visualization. It, it helps. It's basically the roadmap that I had to learn through tens of thousands of dollars, therapy, coaching, like, the whole, like okay, I wanted a simplistic process to define who I wanted to become and to, to do these things. And I had to struggle through that. And so I put it all together into what I call the fierce empathy framework. And it's learning how to be fiercely committed the process of becoming and being empathetic towards those that are around you and yourself. And so it's a process that you can grab for free. If you go to fierceempathyframework.com, you want to check it out. Okay. So fierce empathy, that's your website. So fierceempathyframework.com is where that free free book is. My website's davidwaldy.com. Okay. And we'll put that in the show notes along with your website. And then if somebody is curious about working with you, what should they do? Is there a way that you prefer to be contacted? It's a great question. So first thing I would say is that you need to know where you're at in business. I primarily work with entrepreneurs and leaders. So depending on what you're looking at, we can explore a conversation. If you, if it's an entrepreneur, if you are 
you're generating somewhere, you know, in the six to seven figures range, it's going to make sense for us to work together. If not respectfully, it probably won't. And so what I always try and tell people is that if you need support, you're looking for solutions, reach out to me, even if we don't work together, because it doesn't make sense for whatever reason. I love being able to connect people with books, with other individuals that are where they're at to help them along. So Instagram is the best way. Just DM me on Instagram. I, I actually am the one who reads all of those. <laughs> so that's the that's one platform that I can control. So just message me. And if you reference the, the podcast, you know, it, it's useful for, for me to know where, where it came from. But even if I I tell people this all the time, Darcy, I don't know if I can help you because I don't know you. I don't know what you're dealing with or what they, we have to have a conversation. And so if it makes sense to the both of us, awesome. If not, cool. I will, I promise that I'll give you direction on things that you can start to do effective immediately that are free, or if you got to go buy a book or something. Right. So what's your Instagram handle? At David Waldy. You can find me on literally any social media platform at David Waldy. D-A-V-I-D-A-L-D-Y. They're all the same. Okay. And I'm going to make sure I put all of your hyperlinks to your website, to the Fear Sympathy Framework, and to your social media. So I just want to thank you again for coming in, sharing your story with our listeners. I know everyone's going to love this episode because it's just been a blast and it's been so good. There's so much good information. I'm so excited to get this out and we'll, well Darcy, I, yeah. I honor you. Thank you for allowing me to be here. I, I do hope that it's useful and thank you for what you carry and who you are in this platform and what you're doing to serve people. I honor you, my friend, for real. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to her next best move podcast with Darcy Corcoran. All links mentioned today are in the show notes. And don't be shy. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with Darcy on Instagram at Darcy underscore Corcoran and share your story or ask questions to be featured on later shows. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Stay tuned for more of her next best moves.